0: Welcome back! Thank you once again for joining us. It's a beautiful Monday morning. I'm coming to you from Jeffersonville, Indiana, once again, but for one night only before I'm right back in Ohio. Um, it's good to be back here, my my nice little apartment for for a little bit. You know the tractor sign still how I left it, uh-huh. um, but can't can't I can't get away from my family, man. I just love them too much, you know. So. Uh, Dominic, though, we did have a pretty eventful weekend uh, through all sports, really. I mean, there was just a lot going on this weekend. Uh, It was a great weekend for sports, but MMA was no different. And that weekend started on Thursday, of course, with PFL. So how was your weekend, my friend?
1: It was a very good weekend, man. Uh, A lot of good company, family, friends, girlfriend, everything in between. Fights. I mean, it it was just nonstop uh, from start to finish. We're here on Sunday. We're ready to recap it all. And there's no one better to recap fights with than this guy right here. Damn it, I pointed the wrong direction. This guy right here, Noah Baker, my guy. How was your weekend, my friend? I'm glad you're back in action.
0: It was a good weekend. It was a very good weekend. Got to see a lot of family. I wish I could have seen them under better circumstances, but... It was good to see everybody, check in with everybody. But I couldn't sway from my responsibilities, Dom. Yes. Even, even despite the circumstances, I had to make time for that MMA.
1: Man of the people.
0: <laughs> the job never stops. No. The city doesn't sleep. No. The sport moves on. Yes. Before we get into it, though, Dominic, I want you to tell everybody... My directionally, directionally challenged friend. Yes. Where the people can find us on social media.
1: Okay, so let me get this right. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at Deesley14. A lot of good content there. You can find Noah, the co-host, um on Twitter, on Instagram at NT Baker underscore. Don't forget the underscore. Even better content over there. And. The last, but certainly not least, the podcast social media. You can see it down low, our third person in the chat today on the episode. (laughs) If you're watching on YouTube, that is, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast.
0: Highly recommend if anybody is uh, going away on a trip or coming home from a trip, make sure you check before you leave (laughs) everything you packed. That's why we got our third host in here today, because once again, my, my, what I didn't realize were the most important headphones in the world to do this show. It's the key, I've been forgotten. You would think yes. I would remember that would be the first thing on the list. <laughs> so essential, yes, but uh, yep, I've forgotten them. But since I'll be going right back, this is the only episode you guys will have to deal with this, and then we'll be back to normal. But Dominic, no. enough of that yes. UFC Vegas, I don't know, insert number here, uh,
1: 53. Yeah. Marlon Cheeto
0: Vera in his first UFC main event makes mm. good work of that by going the full 25 minutes and ultimately gets the unanimous decision win over Rob Font. Uh, I don't know what the scorecards were. Was it 48 47, 249 46s?
1: Ooh, that might
0: be what it was. I don't remember. I remember a 48 47, but this is one of those fights that. My my biggest glaring takeaway.
1: Mm-hmm. Let them know.
0: Is so often, even when you see people debating the winners of fights, they use striking statistics. They'll use the number of strikes landed by one fighter being higher as proof that they won the fight. This is the fight that shows you that that is a terrible argument to make. Yep, because Robby outstruck Marlon Barra every round of this fight. I hope I think that's official. If not, maybe one round it was like dead even, or Vera got one more. But I mean, it was a pretty, it was so so much so in fact that this was the biggest discrepancy in strikes between a winner and loser. Passing the previous record of Robbie Lawler over Carlos Condit, hmm. which wow. was a very controversial decision at the time. However, here I don't think there is any controversy. I think Marlon Barra clearly won this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, all credit to Rob Font, especially early for like the first nine and a half minutes of this fight. He looked to be in cruise control. Looked like really solid. Looked yeah. like he was uh, at his best form. But once Marlon Vera started hurting him, started stealing rounds from him, it just kind of become... It it seemed like early, all the momentum was on Font, and the fight just slowly and slowly and slowly went, momentum swinging in the other way, Mm. until basically Marlon Vera was in control of the fight. Yeah, Dominic, his first main event, he gets the W. I'll give you a minute to talk about Marlon Vera's performance here. However... There is perhaps some cause for concern, the fact that he is such a low-output fighter in comparison to a lot of guys at the top of the rank here. He tends to be more particular about the punches he throws. He's more um, technical, a little more precise in how he throws things, doesn't do a lot of output. Could that limit him as he looks to make a big push here in the essentially bantamweight title picture?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, just to answer the question first, I, I think it's definitely something to at least take note of. But, man, we're talking a guy in Rob Font, and, of course, this top five of the Bantamweight is a shark tank. It's unreal, the talent that we're seeing at 135, especially amongst the elite. Rob Font threw close to, if not north of, 500 total strikes in this fight, and it didn't face Cheeto one bit. So if there's any other fighter that's going to throw that same amount of volume, Apparently, Cheeto's just going to keep start stalking you down and walking right through it. So while it is something to take note of, um, I don't think it's anything that can keep him from getting a dub. After this performance, it really was that impressive to me. A coming-out party, if you will, for Cheeto Vera. Um, he, Like you said, kind of pulled the rug out from Rob Font. Rounds 2, 3, and 4, while he was losing the beginnings, the last, really, 2 and 3 was the last 30 seconds. Damn near finished Rob bad in both of those and he almost finished him in round four. So, uh, man, it was just quite the performance to stay that composed in your first main event, to never lose the gas. And he had, you know, decent output himself, nothing close to what Rob Font did. But, uh, man, the power from Cheeto's dangerous. He's so dynamic in his strikes. Like, it just feels like there's so much impact with every shot he lands. This dude, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I haven't said it before, could be a problem, Noah, to these elite guys and, dare I say, a future title contender, man.
0: I mean, when you say he could be a problem, do you can you envision Marlon Barrow with a belt wrapped around his waist?
1: It's hard to say no. I think that there is a world in which he could become the champion, man. I mean, what a career it's been at 29 years old, just now entering his prime after all this experience he has. I mean, yes, he does take damage. That's clear. I mean, obviously, Rob Font was landing so many strikes. So really, when you kind of go back to that first question you ask if there's a, a hole, it's not maybe not even so much the output that he allows, but he does eat shots. You can't do that forever and ever. But, yes, I think he could become a champion, man. It was that type of performance to me. It was.
0: Yeah, I can't say the same. As much as I liked the
1: performance, I thought it was a great showing
0: for Marlon Barron. I think it showed that he really is of the elite of the division. But you just look at, this is the toughest division probably in the whole UFC now. Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan. I mean, Peter Yan, I still stand by as the most talented fighter in the whole company, and he's not even the champion of his own division. TJ Dillashaw is one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Uh, Jose Aldo, one of the best to ever do it. Mm. He already lost to Aldo. Yeah. Then you got Corey Sandhagen, who everybody's saying should be his next fight. I'm sorry, but I don't think that's a very winnable fight for him. Oh, okay. I mean, Corey Sanhagen, I think, is a very bad matchup. He is very high output. He's also got good power. Yeah. Um, He's very – he mixes up his strikes very well, a lot of leg kicks that Cheetah Vera's always struggled with. Marlon is great, but I think that, unfortunately for him, he may end up finding himself to be sort of the stepping stone for now to – uh, project someone into a title fight maybe or okay. to um, you know he might be just that that one fight someone takes to show that they are maybe you know if, maybe if he doesn't fight Sandhagen, or if it's Sandhagen or Peter Jan someone to show like a, it's a bounce back fight here at the top so yeah, um, I respect that you think that uh, Vera maybe has taken a step forward I mean I, I still think it's a step forward it's just to me, um, you know, it's like a it's like a tier tiers, right? Like yeah. Tier list almost. In your opinion, he went from like an A tier or a B tier to a champion tier. Yeah. To me, I think he went from a B tier to an A tier, but there's still a champion tier in front. Of
1: yeah. Him. Yeah.
0: So, we'll obviously see how it goes. Do you think that? Um, Corey Sanhagen is the next fight for him.
1: That's what I was calling for last night watching, and I think I still stick by it today. There's so many fights I mean, because I still like Sanhagen versus Marab Valish truthfully, but mm-hmm. uh, any mixture of the ones, you know, I mean, obviously we saw Cheeto and Jose Aldo. We don't know what's going to happen with the title picture. Jose's coming out, calling for a fight over TJ. I don't know what's going to go on there. I think uh, Vera, Corey Sanhagen, another five-round main event on a fight night. Signed me up all day for that. I mean, if we're going to Especially for me, right? Because I'm out coming out and saying he could be championship material. You got to beat Corey Sanhagen, man. That's what. The, I, Aljamain Sterling did it. Peter Jan did it. They've been, you know, the interim champion and the undisputed champion both. So uh, I think that should be next. I do.
0: That's a good point. Very good point. That Sanhagen has kind of served as the not exactly in the way he wants to be known, but he has been yeah. kind of the. It seems like if you can beat him, you you're a champion.
1: Yeah, he's that good.
0: Yeah, so uh, definitely Marlon Vera. You know, I don't want to like act like I'm not uh, excited about him after this. I thought he was going to win this fight. I'm happy to see that he came out there and delivered. Um, I guess for Rob Font, a lot of damage taken in back to back fights. I mean, this is two in a row where Aldo really laid it on him for five rounds. Here against Vera, it's a lot of the same, and it's a tough loss because he wasn't really out of the fight as much as you would think. Yep. You look at the two guys at the end of the fight, and one of them looks messed up, <laughs> and, you, yeah. and then you got Vera who looks pretty clean. It tells one story, but the real story here is that Font kind of had this fight taken out of his grasp, just right, right out of out of reach. You know, uh, there were not, the scorecards kind of told you that. I mean, there was a couple rounds where he was winning upwards of over half the round. And then Vera lands a big shot. And obviously that matters. That counts. It's just, you know, it's going to be, this one probably hurts more if you're a Rob Font fan or if you're Rob Font himself than the Aldo one did, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting take. And, you know, for me, like for Rob Font, and you kind of already said it, he fought a great fight. But still decisively lost. It's like this guy goes out and fights so good, uh, even against Jose Aldo. Like Aldo controlled way more of the fight than what Cheeto Vera did. But Rob Font didn't fight bad. He doesn't fight bad. His opponents just go up to a new level when they That's seem to very fight him, true. man. Like yeah. he's just pulling the best version of these guys out when they fight against him. <clears throat> bad luck, if you will. But Rob Font, still a very good talent. Definitely a tough loss. Way more. Noticeable damage too in this one than the Jose fight, so that's two tough back to back ones. But I'm not ready to completely count him out still, man. I don't know.
0: I mean, you're are you thinking he's a, a champion level fighter right now?
1: I wouldn't say champion level for Rob Font yet, but dude, I mean, right on the borderline of A B still. Like I just think yeah. he's still a good talent. I don't.
0: No, I mean he's great. He's great, but I mean, I. I would be hard – I would have to press you a little bit if you were still thinking he's, like, a champion.
1: No, not know. right now. Not No, every... I,
0: and, I mean, I'm, who's to say what happens down the road? Maybe he's yeah. trying some wins together. But, look, he came on strong. He came on kind of out of nowhere. He got really big wins over guys who, let's face it, Marlon Morais, Cody Garbrandt, were not in the best of – he kind of – was very opportunistic in taking fights with guys on the decline, at least so yeah. it appears. I know we hold out a little bit of hope for Cody, but Marlon right. Rice has retired since their fight. It's yeah. Time will tell if Rob Font is truly of this echelon of fighter. I think we will learn that he is, but the back-to-back losses, most of what it showed was that he is tough. But that's almost the, that's like the most backhanded compliment you can give to a guy at this level.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're tough. There's a
0: lot of tough fighters. Yeah. yeah. A lot of guys who can take a shot. But can you give a stronger yeah. shot back and get a win? Rob Font against the elite so far has just not quite been able to do it. Right. More on this card to come. We'll transition into a little bit of PFL, Dom, from Thursday. Kind of. Right. Almost like a long weekend. We kickstarted the <laughs> weekend on Thursday. PFL 2, this was the weakest probably card on paper for the first three weeks of the PFL. Star power-wise, definitely on the lower end. It was heavyweights and featherweights, yep. correct? Yep. So, Dominic, I mean, I'll just kind of open the floor to you. Um, let's be kind of – let's, let's kind of choose um, – like give one person that stood out to you from the first from – from this card specifically, who was like your one biggest takeaway, good or bad?
1: I'm going Chris Wade. I am. I, I had a yeah. feeling he would kind of come on and win this fight. But I, you know, as I watched it, I just really felt that he was in control. Good fight. It was a scrappy fight. But there was something about this performance to me that just made me feel like Chris Wade on a revenge tour, if you will. lost in the finals last year. He's coming for it all. He just beat the two-time former champion and Lance Palmer. I don't know. He's just – uh, a very well-rounded, complete skill set. And that's what you need, especially here in the PFL, to go through this gauntlet, fight five, four or five times in one year. So, uh, yeah, it was just a really good performance to be Maybe didn't stand out in terms of, oh, a big finish, oh, a big submission, knockout, whatever you may have. But it was just a good 15 full minutes of control, and he showed skill sets uh, in all areas, man. So I'm going Chris Wade.
0: Oh, that was an interesting pick. I didn't actually expect that one, but hard to not say. I, I, like, I didn't, maybe I didn't pay as close enough attention as I should have to that fight. I, I think my biggest problem is Lance Palmer, as good as he's been for the PFL over the years, doesn't have the most exciting fight style in the world. Yeah. He's a tough cookie to crack, but he can just leave a little bit to be desired. If he's not in top control, he doesn't have a ton of power in his shots, like a lot of wrestlers do. He's um, he's an interesting he's an interesting puzzle. And mm-hmm. Chris Wade, I thought, did a pretty good job of uh, handling him. I
1: guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it
0: was twenty nine, twenty eight across the board for that fight, so that was good. I'll go with Henan Ferreira, um, dude. Uh, you know, this guy had a really rough start to his PFL career. This was the guy who had the the phantom tap against. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, Fabrizio yep, in his debut for the PFL, he, where he clearly tapped. The ref didn't stop the fight. And then Ferreira, after Fabrizio kind of let the choke go, Ferreira then knocks him out, basically, yeah, right away. So it was off to a rough start because that was just not very, um, I don't know, it just didn't, wasn't good. I mean, right. Fabrizio still hasn't fought since. He's contemplating retirement now. Yeah, yeah. But Henning Ferris since then Dude. has went on a run. Had the record for quickest knockout, I believe, in the entire PFL's history. I could be wrong, at, at least for the heavyweight division. Yeah. It was like 35 seconds. Yeah. Thursday night, he <laughs> broke that record. His, yep. um, yeah. 29 second knockout, or 25 second, excuse me, knockout with a front kick to the face. Dude. I mean, or not a front kick. It was like a, wasn't it like a shin to the it face? It was like a thing? shin to the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah he shot in. Missed, yeah. threw yeah. it again, landed flush. Game over for Jamel Jones. This dude looks like a fucking freak. He oh. fights like a freak. Him versus Bruno Capoloza is the fight that I, I put this on our Twitter account. I said, give me that fight. This this That fight could really be a big PFL heavyweight fight for if those two continue to dominate the way. That Jamel or that Fajera has done since his debut, and Bruno Capelos has done literally every step of the way.
1: Yeah, that that's going to be fireworks should that fight occur. And I'll be curious to see also too, just like what are these second matchups? What kind of matchups is people going to do for their second fight before the playoffs get started? Do they want to? do they dare put them together now? Cause I think that'd be a miss. I think mm-hmm. you need to hold off and hopefully that fight will come to fruition in the playoffs. But yeah, a six foot eight guy, 85 inch reach. This dude, his body's unprecedented in MMA outside of like Stefan Struf, It's crazy.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if people are even really behind him the way that I kind of gotten behind him since that fight, because I think, I think so many people either have the bad taste of the, the Fabricio fight in their mouth or, they just don't care enough about him, don't know enough about him. He's kind of lower on these cards. But I'm telling you, man, that would be a very interesting fight between him and
1: Bruno, shall,
0: shall it ever occur here in the PFL. I agree. So PFL week three, we'll be coming back to you next week for that. Kayla Harrison, Anthony Pettis, Rory McDonald. I mean, yeah. that's a star-studded it's a finale part. there. It's going to be on ESPN2 as well. So it's going to be a big debut on prime time for the PFL for his season. Yep. Let's talk about a little bit of boxing, Dom, but not the boxing that I'd like to talk about in Katie Taylor <laughs> versus Amanda Serrano, a fantastic fight from this weekend. We have some shenanigans behind the scenes for our men counterparts. Uh, Kamaru Usman, along with his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, uh, Kamaru Usman, by the way, the pound-for-pound king in the UFC, the uh, long-standing welterweight champion, in case you didn't know. He has been calling for a matchup with Canelo Alvarez in a boxing ring for a long time. Now, what's so crazy about that, right? You know, Conor McGregor did it with Floyd Mayweather. Nobody seemed to bat an eye. Francis Ngannou looks like he might get that with Tyson Fury. Yeah. This exchange on Twitter, I think, perfectly encapsulates why people are so negative on the Usman Canelo talk. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know everything that was said to its fullest extent, but let's just say Canelo Alvarez proverbially shat (laughs) on both of them. Yes, true. Um, This started with Ali Abdelaziz trying to take shots at Canelo, acting like he fights nobodies. Uh, You're just scared to fight the champ, Kamaru Usman, the GOAT. Best to ever do it. On one hand, I get it, right? These guys are just trying to um, get this fight. And they're trying to drum up some interest in it. And um, it's all fight promotion, right? That's all that this is about. But can they make it look a little less desperate, please?
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, this is desperation. I mean, they are literally, like, begging, please, Canelo, please, just please. Yeah. Yeah. Please acknowledge us. Please give us a fight. I want to get that red panty knife, baby. Hey, come on. <laughs> right, right. Look, it's 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 and I hate to feel that way because Kamar Usman's like I mean, he is literally a god tier in the UFC. Yes. So for our for our for our guy, the guy that we go to, if if a boxing fan comes over and says, Who's the best you have to offer? Kamar Usman's the best in the whole company. Yep. To see him doing this. I can't help but feel a lot of disappointment, Dom.
1: Yeah. Your your thoughts. Yeah, man. I mean, they're they're clearly just trying to get that payday right. And I think that's kind of what makes it look even worse. You know, especially like for the boxing fans. They're like, you know, well, this is typical, you know, boxers are always getting the big money paydays, and these UFC champions are begging and pleading to come over uh and fight one time in boxing just to get one of those paydays and to see this happening shortly thereafter, the aftermath of Ngannou versus Fury, which at least that one seems like it's going to happen. But still, like, you know, it's also weird to me, too. And I'm listen, if you can go get the bag for Kamaru Usman, go get it. I'm not 100%. holding any fighters back from 100%. the end of the month. But uh, we're a wrestler here. I know Trevor Whitman's got that jab working, right? That jab's been <laughs> popping. It's good. He, Hey, one punch knockout on Jorge Masvidal. But uh, we're talking Canelo Alvarez, yeah. one of the top pound for fighters in the world right now, one of the best boxers of all time this dude is, is a problem and this isn't a good, like, is there any sort of way that Camaro could come out of a fight with Canelo Alvarez looking good? You know what I mean? Like, is that possible? I just don't think so.
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's purely a financial move yeah. here. And I mean, that's fine. Again, that's not what I'm even getting no. on about no. because the financial prospects, I completely get it. And again, you know, Dom, we try to avoid this—the the fight, the 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 um, fighter pay issue, just because we're not very knowledgeable of it ourselves, and yeah. it, we'd be speaking out of line, I think, to really give any sort of opinion on it. But I will admit that the more and more that this comes up, because it's happening more often. I mean, Connor was kind of the. I don't even want to say the first. I mean, I remember Anderson Silva called for Roy Jones Jr. for a long time. Yeah, years ago. But really, Conor McGregor coming. And really, that one felt very even because... He was already making so much. He was already so big. And don't get me wrong, Mayweather made probably twice, three times the amount of money Conor made in that fight. Yeah. But that was because, again, Mayweather promoted it himself on his end while the UFC... And Conor McGregor split at 50 50 on their end. So, yeah, but I digress. That's not really the point. We've seen this pop up more and more. And I'm not, you know, Henry Cejudo even had that little thing with Ryan Garcia a long time ago. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. As
0: Even though, again, I don't like, I know it's very popular for people in our shoes to have this kind of platform to come out and, you know, talk negatively about the UFC and the, the way they pay their fighters. And, don't get me wrong. I see what you guys see. I just haven't, again, I, if I don't feel like I'm knowledgeable enough on a topic, I'm not going to speak one way or another on it. Yeah. The problem becomes is that we keep going. Well, we understand this is a financial move. So, but why does it have to be right? Like, why does it have to be right this way? Why is boxing? Why is it such a discrepancy that boxing? Cause it feels like the two sports are, Closer than ever in terms of yeah. popularity. I understand there's a lot of differences in the structure. It just and yeah. maybe truthfully, maybe the sub. I mean, Canelo is making like 50 million a fight. It's hard for me to imagine that you can even turn a profit when you're paying a fighter yeah, that much money. It's crazy. You know what I mean? So maybe it's not exactly the best thing in the world for someone to get paid that much money to fight. But and I'm not going to be the one that's... T- to try to start taking money away from people or yeah. asking for that. It's just at the end of the day, what kamaru Rusman is doing right now just feels very desperate. And yeah. That's the word. It's hurting. Word. Nah, is it hurt? It feels like in a way it's kind of hurting this, this legacy he's kind of building, not legacy. It's, it hurts the persona that he's built for himself again as this champion that this goat this this slayer of all his opponents you know he's the best in the whole company he puts on a very good persona but then you see him doing this on twitter and it kind of feels like it's tearing away this this goat persona down to where he's really just another guy looking for a big payday and he's not; it's just not working. I don't think. Like, tell me, tell me, right or wrong? Do you feel like Ali Abdelaziz and Kamaru Usman? The fact that Canelo responded to him, I feel like they thought that was a win.
1: Pro- I mean, probably, yeah. I would say multiple but it's responses. Not. Yeah, it's no. not a win. No, because it doesn't get just, you closer look, to the fight.
0: They look so silly here.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't want to like dig even further, but this is like completely even different from the financial side. But with Kamaru kind of coming out and doing all this, we're talking about a guy that should have a fight coming up soon in July against Leon Edwards. And, like, is it just, is it potentially bad that he's steering away a little from MMA? Not that we kind of know he doesn't have many fights left. He's even said that. But just, is he, is is there any realm possibility he could lose just that full focus on MMA that he's so damn good at? Is is it possible that he's overlooking Leon Edwards? Yeah. A man he's
0: beaten before. Yeah. But has definitely improved a lot since their first fight. Who's earned his title shot? He's really had the scratch and claw his way to get it. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's not even confirmed at this point that that's the the fight right. happening. We're just kind of assuming. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I walked away from this and I was like, just just doesn't feel like. I mean, it was literally like 10 sevens across the board, you know, for lack <laughs> of better words, just not good. And then the really cap it all off, Stephen Espinoza from Showtime—I don't know if you saw—he got involved in this as well, and I think was I taking it, his fair share of shots at Usman and Ali. And Usman's kind of final response to him was that, "Well, if you want to take some tips on how to promote, you know, hit up Dana White, kind of thing." And I'm like, don't get me wrong—I think Dana White's like the best in the business, but it—it's got to be a little ironic that the guy. That you're you're telling this guy to take tips from Dana on how to promote when you're the one that's begging for to find his payday,
1: yeah,
0: going outside of yeah the promotion that Dana is the president of. I mean, it's just a little ironic, right? Right. Again, right. I think Dana's great at what he does, but it probably not the best comeback if you're the guy that's going looking for red panty nights. I mean, it's just not. Yep. Not good, but I digress. I'm sure more to come on this story, but oh, hopefully sure. not. Uh, <laughs> some fight announcements, Dominic. This is a big this is a real big part of today's show. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, there was a lot of whispers. Really, it felt like everything just kind of kind of naturally flowed here. It was like a rumor popped up that this fight was that these fights really all three of three of the four that we're gonna talk about, yeah, were being planned. Then you started seeing some unverified sources coming out saying it's true. And then Ariel Hwani's going on his show yep. and saying that, you know, giving some uh, Green Room exclusives or Spotify Live exclusives or whatever about them. And then the official announcements come. I feel like it all just snowballed
1: Hey, week. Well, when I see that big Marcel tweet come, yeah. I know I'm yeah. sending that shit in the Twitter yeah, group.
0: Exactly, exactly. Now, we'll start with the one that's actually not of the group that we're talking about. This one came a little bit earlier. Maybe an under-the-radar fight right now. June 18th, Kevin Holland taking on Dirty Bird. Tim Means. Yeah, You guys got to follow Kevin Holland on social media, man. I mean, he, did you see his, his fight announcement, He the video he put out for this?
1: Well, I know for Oliveira he was using his OnlyFans. Did he do something similar here? <laughs>
0: oh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that
1: one. This yeah. one, he did a
0: video. Um, and it's essentially... Like, I think it's supposed to be like his manager calling him, being like, Yeah, we got you a fight with like Dirty Bird or something like that. And he's like, No, I see him right now. And it's some guy dressed like Big Bird. <laughs> and uh, just go watch it. I will. Dominic, I you will. go watch it as soon as we're done here. Okay. Uh, it's just funny. I mean, it's, it's, remember when he fought uh, Darren Stewart? It was the dentist. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like beating up the dentist. That's, he that's what skit. this was, except it was Big Bird, essentially. Yeah. It's kind of cringy, but kind of it's very funny at the same time. It's it's Kevin Holland, exactly. And uh, you know this is his second fight at welterweight. He had a really good debut, solid debut against Alex Oliveira, who you just mentioned. Step up, I would say here, going up against Tim Means. But I'm glad that we're not just throwing him right into top fifteen. There's no need to do that, you know. Tim Means is a good fighter. He beat Mike Perry about a year ago, or yeah a year and a half ago now so
1: and fun fight uh, your dude. thoughts
0: on this fight pretty fun right
1: yeah this is a fun fight i i'm i'm surprised the ufc didn't give holland like a top 15 but i do like this matchmaking i don't think it's an easy fight for him i think it's another honestly a really good uh stylistic matchup two guys that are in fun fights tim means is as scrappy as ever he loves going the distance and bleeding and going to war and uh honestly this one has that written all over it we'll see if holland can get another stoppage
0: True. Next up, we got two big ones here. UFC London 2, I guess. That's probably what it'll be called. UFC London 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, so, the UFC is going back to London this summer, July 23rd. I'm sure we talked about that on here. And we got our main and co-main event mm. for the card, Dominic. So, the main event, five rounds, Curtis Blades taking on Tom now. Co-main event, Darren Till is back going up against the Joker, Jack Irv Manson, a fight that was planned to be the main event of a fight night back in December, oh, twenty twenty, yeah. Marvin Vittori ended up stepping in for uh, Darren Till. Hell of a fight that the, was. We got the biggest win of his career at that point. So, two big fights here. Obviously, um, I guess you can give your thoughts on both. Maybe what's the kind of what's the biggest storyline poking out to you between the two fights? I mean, really just. Go whatever direction your heart desires here, Dom.
1: I'll start on, well, obviously these are both huge, but to me, anyway, personal level excitement. I'll start with the the lower tier, and that is Darren Till. I'm happy to see him returning. Long layoff, tore his ACL, brutal injury. Tough loss. Yes, tough loss against, yes, uh, uh, against Brunson. Bronson. Uh, so, yeah, this is great matchmaking, though. I like him and Hermanson getting rebooked after such a long time apart. Hermanson, man, just such a freaking... Interesting matchup for anyone in this division, and Darren Till. We know how great his striking is; can definitely be a fun fight. Tom Aspinall, Curtis Blades, come on, come on, come on! That's my guy, Tom Aspinall. But we just watched Curtis Blades live in Columbus get one of the biggest wins of his career yes, by knocking did. out Chris Dawkins. So, and uh, our man's been blowing up on Twitter. Hashtag what a, Curtis Blades Twitter? Isn't that badass? Still don't really know the like <laughs> the origin of that, but I think it's pretty cool nonetheless. And uh, I like that he's. I like that he's playing into the community, Curtis Blades, because he's never been like on, you know, good terms with everybody. He's really you know never what I been mean, on good terms. so never. I love that he's getting this recognition now. But damn it, he's going against one of my favorite fighters in all of MMA, all of the UFC, and Tom Aspinall, getting back-to-back headliners in London. It's a big deal for him. This is a hard test. We know that the grappling of Blades causes trouble to many and it could be a problem here for Aspinall. Hey, and by the way, Curtis Blades, he could knock people's lights out on the feet now. So that's an amazing fight. Can Aspinall weather the storm from the grappling? Can he get the better of Blades on the feet? I love everything about it. That's a great main event co-main event. UFC returning to London. If that card is even half as good as the one in March, we're already in for a treat. If it delivers just as much, I don't know if I can handle it.
0: I love... Curtis Blades versus Tom Aspinall so much. I want to like buy it roses. I want to (laughs) give it flowers. Like I just love it so much. This main event Mm. is fantastic. You know, I've, I've criticized a lot of the heavyweight main events that we get. Partially included Curtis Blades. I guess Chris Dawkins. However, with the win that Blades got there in the fashion that he did, he's sort of won. He's won back some moment. I mean, I think he had, that was two in a row, right? That was yeah. the second one in People a row. People forget he, the
1: Rosenstreich win.
0: Yeah, the Rosenstreich one's always there. <laughs> well, anyways, because before
1: that <laughs> was the loss to Derek Lewis, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, Curtis Blades is both the hardest matchup for most heavyweights in the top, but he's also, again, at his biggest moments, just kind of fallen short so yep. far. He's only got three losses. And MMA, and, and two, two of reasons. them are to the champion, <laughs> yeah. and one of them's to Derek Lewis. So, I mean, again, it's like we say he's faltered in his biggest moments, but he's only had a couple opportunities. So here he is again, going up against the guy with the biggest rising star in the heavyweight division, unless two is included in that. Uh-huh, which we'll yeah. Talk about in a minute, but Tom Aspinall coming off of his first headlining performance against Alexander Bulkov, where he put on a show in front of a rabid audience in london so much so they're giving him another headlining spot here you can tell the ufc really want to get
1: yes the the
0: europe behind this guy Mm. tom aspinall a man who before that headlining spot had never fought in front of a crowd of more than a thousand yeah it's a tough matchup for curtis blades because aspinall is so well-rounded and does seem to have good takedown defense but It's one thing to have good takedown defense against some guys. Curtis Blades ain't some guy. He's the best wrestler in the whole division. And it's it's really a beautiful main event. I mean, it's just a great piece of matchmaking. I think Curtis Blades is a live, probably going to be a dog in this fight. A live dog. I think this is a pretty even fight going in. Mm. Um, God, I'm just so excited. Dude, I I literally have chills. We got to give some credit to um, one of our viewers who's been commenting a lot. Shout out to them. Yes, yes. They comment, even though, sorry, I may not have been able to get back to you on a few of them, but I know Dom has been uh, talking to you a little bit. But I saw where they kind of called for this. They called for Darren Till to be a co main event. That might have been obvious to some people. To me, I wasn't sure if they would do that. Like, I felt like perhaps they would wait and hold Darren Till for a main event spot because he is still that big. But no, they went for him with the co-main. Jack Hermanson, I think, is a very appropriate opponent for him to come back to. Another guy who's kind of had his ups and downs, but such a fun fighter to watch, a tough fighter. He's coming off the main event loss to Sean Strickland. Kind of got outclassed in that one. Um, Could the same happen here with Darren Till? Yes, but with Darren Till's deficiencies in the past, when the fight goes to the ground, would Hermanson be able to take advantage of that? I don't know. I, I think it's a possibility, but
1: yeah,
0: um, it's an interesting three-round fight. I still expect to see some of the people that you would expect to be on this card announced here soon. Um, people like Patty Pimblett, Molly McCann, Jack Shore. I think these are all big possibilities
1: to be on this card. And Mokayev's on it again, too. Yeah, Mokhayev. Who's he fighting? He's fighting. It's a big fight, isn't it? It's the LFA champ, I think. Oh that yeah you yeah, sent yeah. me about sorry
0: I and now I can't think of his name but yeah that yeah that's gonna be a great fight um, a lot of good coming up with this UFC London card I'm very excited for it and these two fights just add to the excitement yes now we got one more Oh! another five round main event rumored <sighs> to and I don't know if it's official yet no but if it stands as as planned yep this will be the first main event. That the UFC will have had in Paris, France.
1: Yep.
0: So, Real gun will make his return September 3rd, five rounds against the other biggest rising star in the heavyweight division. Ty, Bam Bam, Tui, Basla, the Shui's will be a Bruin there in <laughs> yes. Paris, France. So, yes. Dominic, I'm going to be honest with you. So much of the discussion of what matchups are next, you know, the, you got like six... Guys, right? Because Jones and Stepe are kind of included in this, and
1: yep. everybody's
0: been kind of putting their matchups together. Just all six of these guys. Who are the three matchups you make, right? And um, I don't feel like a lot of people were putting Gon and Tuivasa together. Yeah, and I think the reason for that is because a lot of people are overlooking Tuivasa in this matchup. They think that oh, Gon is just too, too uh, talented, too technical, too well rounded. To and too defensively sound, quite frankly, to fall into a heavy right hand by Taito Ibasa. But, guys, is, is this the Derrick Lewis effect all over again? Like, how are you guys going to sit there and count out Taito Ibasa? You can't. This guy, I get it. The way he's rising through the ranks, he's knocking people out, right? Derrick Lewis included in that list, but. Taitwee Vasa has more skills than that, guy. Yeah. He's got heavy, heavy leg kicks. Yes, I do question if, you know, Surreal Gan's big question mark now is, appears to be the wrestling, right? Because Francis Ngannou. Defensive-wise, uh, yeah. Defensively speaking, um, Francis Ngannou was able to take him down and kind of use his strength. I, tai, I know tuivasa is not that kind of threat, but as far as when this fight's standing, don't get me wrong. I think Surreal Gan should be the favorite in this fight. He'll probably have a speed advantage. He's more fit, more in shape, probably going to be have more stamina into the later rounds. But make no mistake about it, Taito Ibasa is here for a reason. He's getting a main event slot here. I'm happy for him. He's going into enemy territory, but I don't think he's going to give a fuck about any of that. Now, now that I said that, I'm curious your thoughts. Do you feel like a little more strongly about Surreal Gun's chances here? Or... Do you see what I'm seeing? Are the fans kind of counting out Tai Tuivasa's chances in this matchup?
1: I think people are definitely counting out Tai Tuivasa. I that I was actually funny, though. You kept saying, gone, better this, better that, better that, right, over Tuivasa, which on paper, of course, he is. I saw someone tweet all that like a bullet list, and then said, "With that being said, Tytus Tuivasa, a second round knockout." Isn't that, that like,
0: what they did with Lewis and Gon for the <laughs> I inter- think
1: so. title? <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. So, um, this is a great fight. I think the UFC nailed it on the head here with these heavyweight matchups. Um, it just th- these feel like like the semifinals of some huge fight that's going to come next. Like the winners will go against each other, and then they're going to fight for a belt. Or it's just I think it's all perfect matchmaking. Taitu Ivasa is a threat. You cannot count him out. The power, it, it, he lands once. That's all it takes. He has to land one time. Um, I think Gon will be a slightly large betting favorite, um, which, you know, again, it's understandable when he's the all-around better fighter, but there's going to be... I'm honestly, to me, I think there... Well, I mean, there's more pressure, I think, on Gone, of course, especially if he's headlining in Paris. But just in terms of... I, I can't find the words right now to put it to terms in the microphone, but like I think this is a big opportunity, obviously, for Tai Tuivasa to not only win and put himself in title contention, but to really show that Gon has a lot more holes that are just getting exposed. We saw the wrestling defense happen. And not that he's gonna get taken down here, but say he loses now on the feet or does get knocked out by Tai Ivasa, this whole untouchable perfect record and whatnot that was before Francis Ngannou could go all go to the wayside in a matter of two fights. I mean, I Dominic, think there's a ton we were, of pressure. We were here.
0: calling for Surreal we or not calling for him, we were calling Surreal Ghan the most well-rounded heavyweight in UFC history. Yeah. And I mean there's a reason for that, for how good he looked in the lead up, but what happens coming off the loss to Ngannou where he did look pretty pretty uh, devastated by the loss. Yes. In the fashion it happened, it, it, it was such a shock to us all how the fight transpired. Follow-up is not the same kind of fight. It's, again, you're going up against someone who's going to look to knock you out. Yep. But he has also got a well-rounded offensive arsenal of kicks, strikes. He's very talented on the feet. But Surreal Ghan has the speed and the defensive awareness to, I believe, win this fight yeah but again it's just it's kind of like i i still think i think taito ybasa has a better chance in this fight than Derek lewis had when he fought surreal gun
1: i like that that's
0: my opinion right now yeah now let's get back into a little more ufc vegas 53 with the rest co-main event dominic say it with me everybody here we go. four words Andre Arlovsky, Arlovsky by, by decision. decision.
1: It should be five because you got added split now. <laughs> <laughs> by split decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So Andre Orlovsky gets the split decision win. Thanks, um, Nick, for the clarification there. Over Jake Collier. Now, with this win, Arlovsky has tied Donald Cerrone and Jim Miller with 23 for the most wins in UFC history, obviously we—I mean—I think that's a, deserves a bit of a round of applause, of right?
1: For a pit yes. pit bull. a legend.
0: I mean, a legend—a guy over the course of two stints in the UFC. Just to be clear, I mean, he was a man who's been—he was a heavyweight champion in 2005. I mean, no, he off.
1: debuted in 2000. That's crazy. It's 2000. But with that being said, Dominic, should he have gotten the decision here? Man, like to me. I saw a lot of people actually throwing around the word robbery. I, I didn't necessarily feel it was like a robbery. It wasn't a bad fight, by the way. I mean, it was pretty scrappy. They were going at it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I scored one and two for Arlovsky, three for uh, Collier. Collier. But I saw a lot of people saying, you're crazy if you scored round one for Arlovsky. But to me, if, if, hey, if Jake would have won, I wouldn't have been griping either way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was that type of close fight. I don't think robbery deserves to be thrown around here. Yeah,
0: not. I didn't score it live because I was kind of in and out. I was watching it on my phone at the time. Long story. But um, when I do it like that, I don't really score fights because I'm not really getting the best yeah. view of the action. Um, but at the end of it, I remember in my head feeling like Collier had won the fight. Mm. Now, with that being said... Was I ecstatic when Arlovsky got the, the scorecards? <laughs> uh yes, I was. I was very happy. And I was happy that we could continue with my, my yeah. mantra. You know, I'm gonna get it tattooed on me. Arlovsky
1: by decision. Shirts, hoodies, hats, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so uh,
0: I was happy about it. And again, I don't think it's a robbery either. I mean, I'm I wasn't j ju- I was not i was not scoring it, but I it was a close fight. I mean, that's yeah. really Arlovsky's MO at this point. Yeah. Whether he's fighting Chase Sherman or Jake Collier or Jared Vandura some people thought Vandura beat. Him. That was a split decision.
1: And, I mean, and Carlos Felipe, Carlos think. Felipe. <laughs> I,
0: that fight, I thought he, I yeah, Orlovsky won. But anyway, all these guys, you know, Orlovsky, He may not be overwhelmingly beating these guys, but he's such. He's been doing it for so long. He has so much experience, so much knowledge of how the scoring works, how the fight game works, that he does enough to get the yep. win. Yep. I agree. And I think that should be celebrated, not, um, I don't like the words robbery being thrown around on this occasion. No. We'll save that for Priscilla Casuera, GM Kim. I knew for that me. was
1: coming. For me. <laughs> yeah, Which
0: again, I know I was, uh, me and Dominic were split on that one as well. So for, but here I, I, I saw like, I saw, uh, who did you mention earlier? For uh, Marcel saw, said it. Yeah, yeah, he scored at thirty twenty seven for Collier, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah. And because uh, I thought for sure, like when I was watching, Arlovski was like, "In," you know, had done enough to win around or something. But yeah, I can't deny. I'm just happy for the guy. I mean, that's he ties that that record, and you know, Cerrone's got one fight left coming up this weekend, so he might break. They are put himself in the first place. Jim Miller doesn't look to be slowing down at all. No. They're this just gonna supposed to going to keep going. Cerrone's last fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arlovski I expect to continue for a couple more. Yeah, until he's We're going to have an to be, interesting race because I think Cerrone will end up falling out of the pack here, but I mean, Arlovsky and Jim Miller may just continue head to head for a couple more years, you know. Uh,
1: inevitably they'll just have to fight each other, so. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I mean, how
0: old is Arlovski now? Is he 45?
1: 43. 43.
0: 43. You know what? Heavyweights, that's where you can get away with that. You know, the, True. Yeah. The higher the division, usually the older, the less age plays a factor.
1: I mean, look at Steve in D.C. They were 38, 39, 40, you know, Very with true. championships. So. Randy
0: Couture, heavyweight champion. For yeah, oldest pride.
1: champion ever. Glover Teixeira, a light heavyweight, thirty-eight. Yep, yeah, so.
0: yeah, very true, very true. But uh, following
1: that, Dominic, it was probably the biggest surprise of the card
0: for me. <laughs> not that Joe, not that Joe Anderson Brito got the win over Andre Feely, but he did it in mm. forty-one seconds. Dominic, mm. the TKO win. Joe Anderson Brito is pretty good, and he's pretty explosive, and he's got quite a bit of power, and he put Feely out.
1: Oh, dude, that right hook came from across the street of that the Apex. A that was nasty right hook. Dude, that hook was brutal, uh, the way he went in for the ground and pound. What, what a statement made by Joe Anderson Brito, right? I mean, he had that sketchy win on the Contender Series. He got the contract anyway, loses his debut, then comes in here against a I – mean, it was a Bill Algio, right? We keep yep. saying he fought Bill Algio, which is a tough fight. But then he gets a tougher matchup against Andre Feely, who's had so many fights in the UFC, and you starch him? I mean, dude, that's an impressive outing for him and one that he needed to ride the ship for his career.
0: Yeah, I mean that's and you gotta think on the reverse end of the, the thrill and the agony, right? I mean, yep. this might be the worst loss of Andre Feely's career. Hmm. In a career where I didn't realize he's nine and eight in UFC. It's not been very smooth. Yep. You know, it's been a bumpy ride for him in the UFC. Now I don't think this is like the kiss of death. I don't think this no. is the here's your here's your papers, see you later. But maybe it's just time to kind of be realistic about where Andre Feely stands like again he's been so inconsistent it's hard to tell cuz sometimes he looks
1: so good his last win was that way yep yeah was that who was that again i can't remember and he looks so good he looks so good
0: uh but then you know you see the Bryce Mitchell fight and yes Bryce Mitchell is an animal but that was a fight Mitchell won by striking outstriking yep. Feely it's just there's things like that where you just they're puzzling performances, but in between you have these moments of seeing a real player in the division. And um here that's just he I mean he got caught really. That's what happened here. So yeah, it's true. a tough loss, but um, I'm sure we'll see him back. He's a fan favorite as well. He's got an interesting look. He's got the tattoos and stuff, so he'll yeah. be around.
1: Yeah.
0: Next up, a guy that me and you have both been a little bit mellow on is Grant Dawson, who's kind of a prospect in the UFC and he continues his win streak or unbeaten streak yeah. with the third-round submission of Jared Gordon, perhaps the future opponent of Patty <laughs> and, uh He did it in round three, four minutes, 11 seconds in. Was this the win to kind of get you on the Grant Dawson mic train, Dom?
1: <laughs> you, that's interesting you asked that question because I was going to say before you asked, um, I think he uh, won me over this week, Grant yep. Dawson. I, 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 I was going
0: to say the same thing.
1: I, I li- His interview with Megan O'Levy. Um, really was so fascinating, so well-spoken, so smart. He made a camp change. He's now an American Top Team. We know how damn good everybody mm-hmm. is down there. Um, so, you know, he's adjusting his career. After that fight that he looked, he he dominated the first two rounds of that fight um, that he had the draw with. I can't remember oh, who the opponent it was. was. Um... Yep, it's another grappler. The name. If anybody knows, comment right now on the YouTube. But um, he gassed in the third, got 10 aided. They had a draw. And immediate for him to recognize, okay, even in one fight, this guy is 17 and one. Now he's 18 and one, I think, or something, or now he's 17 and one, either way. And then automatically makes a camp change and comes out and looks great in this. His grappling is so good. His pressure is pace. He's going to get you down. And yes, while he does wrestle a ton, look at his finishing rate. He has 17 wins now. I believe 14, 13 or 14 of them are by finish with, like, the vast majority coming via submission. So, you know, this guy is legit. He's 6-0-1 in the UFC. He's (laughs) – the lightweight division's fucking nuts because I want to keep saying he deserves top 15, but then I look at all the other guys that I say that for and I'm like, dude, you can't keep saying this. So he's right amongst those guys, and uh, what a performance to get a finish like that against Jared Gordon on a main card. Jared Gordon had never been submitted before in his career until last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like with this win, the way it happened, it kind of rectified the wrongs of his previous yep. fight, where he started out so strong. yeah, And then by round three, he looked like a shell of himself and got 10-8-ed. So um, this kind of was a big bounce back, kind of what he needed. And Top 15 next, Dom? What do you say?
1: I'm all for it. If you're for it, I'm for it. Let's go. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, We're the ones calling the shots here. <laughs> Damn right. Darren to damage Elkins. The best nickname, the best tattoo in MMA just was back, sense. and he did Darren Elkins things by yeah. going to a unanimous decision, but getting the win over Tristan Connolly. Kind of a surprise for me, uh, truthfully. Even though Tristan Connolly only won and one in the UFC, I kind of thought uh, Darren Elkins was maybe wearing down a bit in his career. But once again, here he goes. Bloody affair. It was a a, a classic Darren Elkins fight, right?
1: Yep, copy and paste, man. Um, used a lot of grappling in this one. Wasn't willing to stand and trade too much. But when they did, he's going to bleed, right? He's got yeah. the scar tissue just like the Diaz's. Tristan Conley was busted open bad, nasty elbows. It was just a dirty, bloody fight. And Elkins gets the win again. Another guy, 37, 38 years old, still winning on the same yep. card as Andre Arlovsky. Crazy.
0: Yeah, true. And lastly, headlining our prelims, we finally got the much-anticipated matchup. <laughs> the biggest Yeah betting underdog in UFC history was one Chase Sherman and he showed exactly why he was the biggest betting underdog in UFC history he gets key locked submission by Alexander Romanov in round one two minutes 11 seconds in no disrespect when I say that to Chase Sherman I think it's just how good
1: Alexander Romanov is I mean he looked like the biggest favorite in UFC history. Yeah. Right. right? I mean it's simple. Minus twenty-two hundred. Hey, look, I admit
0: it. I said on the betting show on nosebleeds on Thursday
1: or Friday that I wasn't comfortable, you
0: know, putting Romanov in a parlay or whatever, because the odds he was a minus twenty-two hundred people.
1: Yeah, it's insane.
0: I mean, to put money on that guy would be asinine.
1: Yeah, you win like five cents.
0: But He went out there and showed that it was there was reason to believe that.
1: Yeah, dude, and I can't help it. We, we already kind of mentioned it, but the new physique, it's like the next level, like the evolution yep. of Romanov. This dude, it's top 15 next. It has to be. No more waiting around. He's 5-0. We have to do it.
0: I agree. Sorry, I was picking up my phone. I don't know if you could hear that. But A
1: little bumping, that's all.
0: I kind of forgot about the whole audio thing. <laughs> but, um. My um, only question, again, this was another first-round finish. With the new physique, how's he looking in round two, round three? Cause yep. That's been the only blemish we've seen on him thus far, even though, again, he still got a wind when that happened. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was all great. It was great stuff. I mean, what are, what are you going to say, right? Exactly. And one last thing. I mean, that's really going to wrap it up for this edition of the weekend recap. However, Dom, before we... Go on our little merry way. I do want to remind people that Thursday, again, I'll be back in Ohio. Um, we will have, uh, for the nosebleeds this Friday, we will have a below average bet slip. I yeah. will be placing, or we will be placing our picks uh, Wednesday. So those will be ready to go for Friday's show. So if you've tuned in, which shout out, we actually did better numbers yeah. on that episode than we had in the past few weeks so maybe that's just the key we just don't actually make. We just it don't place <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but thursday is gonna be it's gonna be a big preview it's you big, got maybe. ufc 274 Dom. i mean mm-hmm. big deal isn't is bellator yeah bellator is back right? dude. Bellator we have paris. pfl3
1: ufc 274 bellator in london i mean dude. It's paris, or is it right? paris yes paris yeah. first sorry Um, London next week. Yeah, this is a big
0: week. Holy shit. I got to get
1: ready. (laughs) Kayla's back. Shout out Ohio. I'm so excited to see her. The the, the pay-per-view this weekend, even the prelims is fucking nuts in Arizona. Bellator, honestly, you're taking the wayside of the PFL and the UFC this weekend, Mm -hmm. and they still have a pretty damn good card with a heavyweight title fight as the main event. Woo, Thursday, buckle in.
0: And, I mean, again, I know we don't talk about boxing on here, but since it does... There's a lot of overlap. Canelo Alvarez is fighting this weekend. Is he
1: actually fighting this weekend? Wow.
0: He's going – I think he's – guys, I don't remember exactly. I think he's like – he's around 170-pounder in
1: boxing. Mm-hmm.
0: But he's going up to fight like a like a light heavyweight for the champ oh, for the belt. Like he's going up big, like 20 pounds to fight Dimitri Bivol. Wow. Dude's an animal. So I'm very excited to watch that. And, I mean, so much to watch. Oh, Will I man. be able to watch all of it because I have a wedding next weekend? I don't know. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, you motherfucker. you lucky I love you. <laughs> but if, if you see me
1: leave early, mind your business. Cause... I just want Noah to be, like, up at the wedding with his phone watching the fights on the stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I'm literally going to be up there. I'm going to be like, there, there's gonna be like a TV in the back, yeah, and I'm gonna have it on the fight. You're gonna see me like fucking like reacting while they're trying to go through the. <laughs> it was
1: gonna go oh right during the vows. <laughs> <laughs> but yes,
0: I I love my MMA. I gotta know that. Again, what did I say at the beginning? Don? sport never sleeps. What did never. I ever No, I kind of city never sleeps. Sport never slows down. I don't know. It's everything keeps moving. Yeah. Also, <laughs> shout out to MMA bobblehead. I. Proceeded to buy everything he has. So
1: <laughs> literally, and he's
0: been—I mean, that guy's been great. I mean, he's been checking in on me to make sure I got my shipment and everything. So I have to check. I, shout plan. out to him. I got the first half of what was a twelve bobblehead order. So you guys do. Um, the hopefully, math. in the future, the that will not be by itself. Uh, eventually, maybe I'll have some displays behind me for. Ooh with some nice little bobbleheads back there. But yeah, all good stuff. But Dominic, before we just end the show, we had some closing statements.
1: Shit, that might as well have been a closing statement for me, honestly. I should have just thrown it up. So
0: for you, Dominic, do you have any closing statements for today's show?
1: Uh, No, I kind of said my piece. I'm just super excited. It's going to be a huge week for MMA, for the show, Continue to tune in if you guys like the content obviously if you're on YouTube watch and drop a like subscribe to the channel turn on the notifications if you listen on audio uh be sure to give us a follow there rate us if you can on some of those apps uh but yeah I'm just super stoked I know that I, I think I know what you're going to say so go ahead and let the people know Never mind I don't know what he's going to say What
0: was I going to say I what? thought
1: you were going to talk about the women's fight a little bit oh, more as all
0: Um Uh, Sure, yeah, I'll talk about that. Yeah, because I guess we did cut out what what I talked about. The original, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, for my closing statement, I'm glad Dominic reminded me about that because I just had to give an opportunity to talk about Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor. It was a massive fight this past weekend. If you're a fan of boxing, I mean, I'm sure you guys were checking this out, but if you're not, I highly recommend you find a way to watch it. It was one of the best not just women fights of all time, but probably one of the best boxing fights I've ever seen. I haven't seen as many as the next guy, but the fact that other people online that have seen a lot more than me were kind of validating how I felt made me feel okay to say that right now. But um, it was just an absolute war and it's one of those fights. Boxing has so often seems to disappoint people, right? Mm -hmm. There's always controversial decisions and, um, or draws or whatever that people always get fed up with, the big fights that you want. There's always some politics that get in the way of yeah. it happening, and it seems like. But this was number one versus number two, pound for pound, the likes of which you never see in any combat sport. I mean, I, I remember Ariel was talking about this on his show. Probably the only time we've ever seen that in the UFC where number one versus number two, pound for pound fought was like, Daniel Cormier versus John Jones, and maybe A yeah. versus DC. I mean, those are really That's the closest. only examples.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, you never got Anderson Silva versus GSP. You never got John Jones versus Anderson Silva, or whatever yeah. it might be. You know, we'll never probably see Kamaru Usman versus Israel Adesanya. Right. So you got number one versus number two, and it was the very first women's fight to ever headline Madison Square Garden. That's been going on for over 140 years it just felt like a really big moment i wish i would have been there live truthfully i mean it just yeah. the atmosphere seemed incredible it was a great fight and honestly it like kind of it's been building for a while but it like it's just driving more of an interest in boxing for me not again not to take away from my mma interest i mean come on mma is still my baby now right man. but right um hey if it, if people start comedy clamoring for a little bit of boxing don't think that i won't be afraid i Oh to no i'll have in. you
1: covered don't you worry
0: but uh um, i don't expect that to happen but i digress it was just a really big fight and i just wanted to tell people about it in case you were not aware or missed it or whatever because i get it if you don't feel like if you feel like you can't pay the money for that when you got UFC 274 coming up. I get it,
1: yeah.
0: But seriously, if you can find a way to watch it by whatever means, man, I'm not saying it, by whatever means you can find it on, it's truly worth your time. Um, I can't wait to see the rematch. But uh, yeah, it, it was very reminiscent. Brim- it was very. It was a more historic feeling version of the first Whaley-Illana fight. That's how I felt. Like, that felt like a huge monumental fight for women's MMA. Yeah. This had the added factor of Madison Square Garden behind it and stuff, so it was a little more. But the fight itself, they're very similar and kind of how they played out. So Love that. Yeah. But that's going to wrap it up here for us. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we will see you guys on Thursday.